Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. My fellow bookworms, this is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I am well. Although, yes, another silly thing that I've got up to. So, we had our family excursion. No summer holiday for us this year. Oh, no. Uh, Instead, we had a trip to the opticians. Yes. And uh, I was so excited. I put a dress on and in the car on the way, because all four of us went, I sang. Yes, and I really did. I sang. We're all going on a summer holiday because that's what I do every time we go on a summer holiday. It's just a tradition. And I felt that this was a very exciting excursion and the only thing that we were going to get up to this year of any interest. So that's where I am at, which isn't good. How about you? Um, Now, let's get on to the lovely Facebook group because, my goodness, people are reading and it's just so wonderful to hear all the different things that they're reading. I mean, it's great. People are reading. It's it's good for your health. It's good for your well-being. It's good for authors. It's a win-win. The only bad thing I find about reading is that I tend to drink lots of cups of tea and eat lots of chocolate biscuits. So that's the downside. But putting that to one side for now, it's all great. And the Facebook group are reading such an array, a plethora, one might say, of books. So we've got Helen reading The Sun Sister by uh, Lucinda Riley. We've got Mark reading Magpie Lane by Lucy Atkins. Love that book. Uh, Laura reading All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Dewitt. Now I need to read that one. Um, Joanne, The Way of All Flesh by Ambrose Parry, uh, which of course is uh, Chris Brookmire and his wife writing that. Um, Linda's reading All the Devils Are Here by Louise Penny. Sorry, I can't even read the titles. That's All the Devils are here by Louise Penny. Leslie's reading The Art of Baking Blind by Sarah Vaughan. Rowena's reading How to Build a Girl by Caitlin Moran. Mandy's reading Under My Skin by Lisa Unger. Joe's reading Tombland by CJ Sansom. I have that book on my bookshelves and I need to read it. And Helen is reading The Humans by Matt Haig. Wow, what a selection. And everybody's reading a different book. That's what I love. It's just so varied. It's fantastic. So keep it up. Join our Facebook group if you haven't already. Put in the old Quick Book Reviews podcast and uh, and it should come up there. And if you don't mind being very cheeky asking, if you can give me a little rating on, on Apple, if you, if you use Apple Podcasts, that would be very much appreciated. It does seem to be a bit of a numbers game at the moment. Anyway, let's get on because I have a brilliant interview and I have six brilliant books to talk to you about. A bit of a range, but oh my goodness, some absolute classics. Some weeks I think, oh, 
we've got some interesting books. These are all ticking the box. They're absolutely brilliant. But we're going to have a bit of a change. So usually I put the author interview at the end, but I've had some requests saying, oh, could we have that earlier on and then do the book reviews afterwards? So why not? I think why not try it? So we're going to, I'm going to talk to you about one book first, just to be difficult. And then we're going to interview the author and then I'll talk about the other books. But I need to, I need to whet your appetite. I need to tell you what the books are. So today you're going to have me blab on about Knife Edge by Simon Mayo, The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. Uh, we've got The Wives by Taryn Fisher. Um, we've got Easy Peasy Doggy Squeezy by Steve Mann. <laughs> and yes, it is a book about how to get your dogs to behave. It's brilliant. Um, a Friend Request by Laura Marshall and The Thursday Murder Club uh, by Richard Osman. So there we go. Quite a selection of books. So first of all, we're going to talk about Knife Edge by Simon Mayo. Um, it's just out in hardback and it's a thriller. Let me read you the blurb. You never know where danger will come from. 7.15am, a sweltering London rush hour, and in the last 29 minutes, in a series of coordinated attacks across the city, seven people have been murdered. For journalist Fammy Maiden, the horror is unfolding as she arrives for her morning shift. The victims have one thing in common. They make up the investigations team at the news agency where Fammy works. Why were they killed? What were they working on? As Fami starts to receive messages from an unknown source, she must find out whether she is being warned off the next attack or being told that she will be the next victim. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I just had heard an interview um, with actually Lee Child interviewing Simon Mayo. And the whole, the whole thing was so captivating. I thought, yeah, I need to get this book and read it. And I read it and thought, oh, Oh my goodness, this is a 10 out of 10. This is a brilliant book. Um, and I don't know why, but I just thought Simon Mayo's books, um, because the last one he wrote was sort of historical fiction, Mad Blood Stirring, um, which I haven't read, I admit, but I just thought, oh, this is going to be too highbrow for me. It's going to be too detailed a thriller. But I absolutely loved this book. It kept me, it did keep me on the edge of my seat. I just found, I read the first paragraph and I was in. Um, and there are some books where you start reading and you just know you're in capable hands, that the book isn't going to let you down, that it's worth your, your money, your time um, and your patience. It's worth taking a bit longer with the book. And I, I just felt I was I was in, on safe ground throughout the whole book. Um, and it was almost as if there was like a bass guitar going on in the background. It started fairly slowly and then got faster and faster as the, as the book was, was going on. Um, and it was one that I absolutely had to finish because I needed to know what was going to happen. And what an ending. Um, so if you're into any sort of thriller um, or if you're just into suspense, crime, anything, anything, give this a go. I would really recommend it. It's um, may, maybe it's something a bit different to what you would normally read, but it's got all the ingredients, all the components to make it a, a great book. So let's talk to Simon Mayo now. So, Simon, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. How did you get the idea for this glorious book? Well, that's that's very kind of you. <clears throat> Bizarrely, it came. It was a typo, I think. <laughs> Most stories that it's an accumulation of and a half an idea from here, quarter of an idea from there, yeah. quarter of an idea from somewhere else. 
But as I remember, because all my books take quite a while to think of and then to write and then to publish, it was a typo. And I, I was writing down, for some reason, I was writing CNN, as in the cable news network. Yeah. I was putting it into a document, but I typed it wrong. And I wrote CNX by mistake. And CNX had a ring to it. Mm. And then the phrase came into my head, CNX, when television goes bad or when television goes wrong or something like that. Ah. And so, and I was thinking of, so I was thinking of setting something in a TV newsroom. Um, and that was kind of like, that was going to be it, I think. And then I had an idea and then I thought, well, maybe I could set it at the BBC. <sighs> and the original idea was to wipe out many, many people who, 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 <laughs> uh, who worked there. But then after, after the events, which I generally refer to as 2018, um, that seemed to be an mm. unwise thing to do. Yeah. So anyway, so and I was talking to Gordon Carrera, who's the BBC security correspondent, about low-tech terrorism. People go off-grid without computers, without phones, without websites, um, and how difficult that is to defend yeah. against. So combination of all of that, really. Um, and But it was a typo that started the oh, word. Um, and which came first, the, the characters or the sort of the central crime? Because they're both so strong. What, what was well, the idea, so there are two central characters, one of which sort of stays a mystery for half the book. Mm. Um, and the other is Femi Madden, who's this journalist who works at the news agency. So I think it all happened about the same time. I think that the, the central crime came first, probably. Um, the idea of kind of carnage on, on the first page, because there are seven murders yes. on page one. That, I think that came first, probably. And then in terms of working out who was going to investigate and who was responsible and who can form the alliances needed to work out what's going on. I think that came soon afterwards. But but Femi and the student, who's a, the character is referred to as the student for most of the book, or the first half of the book, they happen pretty soon, pretty soon, really. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's just such a great story. And it is, it is a great story or a storyteller. And it, it's not as if you, every book you've written has been like this. You've had the, the children's books and you had Mad Blood Stirring, but, it, it just seems to me that at your heart, it's just a, a story to be told. Yeah, I mean, I think they're all, I think almost all of my books are thrillers, but I think they're all thrillers. I mean, they're, they're, they're divided up by publishers and bookshops, but I think of them all as thrillers. So I I think they're, they're more similar than other people. Yeah. Uh, than other people do. I, you know, I, that's how I think of them anyway. I think, so I'm writing a new story at the moment and I think that's a thriller. <laughs> I think that's a thriller, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to try a romantic comedy piece. I don't know, or a psychological thriller. But anyway, I haven't got those ideas yet. So. Yes, who who knows? But do you think this book came as a result of the other books you've written, or could Knife Edge have been the first book you wrote? No, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, hopefully, you get better as you you know as you go on. I I look back at Itch, which is the first book which hopefully will be on BBC television in the autumn, uh, in sort of like November time. Um, but it's now set in Australia rather than Cornwall. And I know that I could probably write that better now because I've been writing for 10 years, you know? 
So um, I don't, I think you get more confident. Yeah. And I think I'd have written it differently if I'd written it 10 years ago. No, I think, I think they've all happened in the right order. You know, I think it would yeah. have been very difficult to have written them in a different order. I mean, again, I, there's no plan. You know, I stumble into the I stumbled into the kids' books. I stumbled into the whole story of Mad Blood Stirring and the idea of Shakespeare in a Dartmoor prison in 1814. Yeah. I stumbled into that and I stumbled into this. You know, so I'm just going where the ideas take yeah. me, really. Well, and this one, well, and the others, but this one particularly, I think is is such a winner. Did you have um, a gut feel as you were writing it that this was something quite remarkable? Well, that's very, that's very kind of you um, to say. I mean, you hope you get so close to these stories. You know, you. I thought Femi, I thought Femi, the central character was. I liked her. I liked the relationship with her daughter. So her. Uh, her daughter is at university she's 20 years old and she was never going to have such a big role but then she appeared on the scene very early on and I thought oh okay I think Charlie's gonna have to be a bigger part of this so you think okay this this quite this is fun um I think the opening third of the book is breathless and breakneck and yeah. um, uh, and non-stop and then hopefully you fall in with the characters and you're trying to work out who the student is and what the student is trying to do and um and then you're carried on to the end I mean you so I, I you know I don't know there are times when you think actually this is quite good and then there are other times when you're thinking uh, is this any this is terrible you know so anyway, that's what that's what the editorial process is there for um yeah you you talk about the tension. I mean, it's you know they're they're throughout. For me, sometimes I hear music while I'm reading. And for me, this was like a bass guitar throughout, just getting faster and faster. And for the last fifth of the book, my husband walked in and said, "Do you realise your mouth is wide open?" And I just said, "Well, I'm just so caught up in this in this story." Was the tension something that took time to to work out? Yeah, I no, I, actually no, it, it wasn't. Uh, I think. I have to concentrate on making sure that there is variation and that there is enough downtime and quieter moments. Otherwise, it would be utterly exhausting. Yeah. But certainly the first quarter and the well, maybe the first third and the last quarter, mixing up my fractions there. <laughs> so let's say the first third and the last third are they have their own momentum, sure. which I think is difficult to 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 jump off. Can you jump off momentum? Anyway, to, but yeah. I think the first and the, the first third and the last third have their own speed. Um, but by the time we're heading out of London and heading up towards Coventry, it's it's it is relentless. And I think it's aided by the fact I decided to write in very short chapters. So mm. I always find that quite a um, enticing format because you think, oh, I'll just. How long's the next chapter? Oh, it's only two pages. I'll just read that. Yes. When you do that, and the next chapter is only half a page. Uh, you know, so I um, I think that's part of the, the crazy nature of the book. And was the ending, I I'm obviously don't want to give anything away, but was the ending always as it turned out to be? Or did you? No. I was trying to avoid people saying I knew what was going to happen. And... Mm. Uh, I like to, and so I, I deliberately, you know, I'm about 80% through and I, and I 
changed the order of things. I changed who attacked who and the aftermath. I can't, it's frustrating because I can't really say. But, yes, don't. <laughs> um, um, yes, so the order of events is different. Who attacks who is different so that it was not predictable. So I think, I hope that may, I can tell yeah. you, as we start recording, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, so I won't record that bit. So how, how long did it take to write? Because there's a lot of plotting involved and. Yeah, I mean, most, most of my books take two years. I mean, yeah. they, they come out every two years. So the whole process is two years. So my guess is I'm 20,000 into a new book. I don't suppose it'll be ready till this time, you know, this time next year. Yeah, I mean, it's fair to say it's it's not your only uh, career uh, writing. So, no, I mean, it's really, it's like, what you know, if you say what do you do, I do radio and writing, and sometimes it's writing and radio. I would quite like to, you know, for a year to be a full time writer for a year and just see what I could do because I think I could, I could get things. I think I could get done, but it you know everything jostles for for its own yeah. for its position. Of course, I, I mean, I was interested if if uh, anyone ever said to you, you know, what do you do? Would you say author first, or is that at this point not the first? I mean, at the moment, I do more radio than I do writing. Yeah. But the radio, you know, during lockdown, the radio has been consistent. I've done all my work from home. This room that I'm talking to you in was half a TV set. I did a TV series with Mark Cohen <laughs> for BBC Four. I was sitting here, he was sitting in his house. So the radio and the television has, has taken over a lot, really. And the writing is taking a backseat. So hopefully things, as things ease, things, may, things might change. But at the moment, the ra- I, I, I was planning to do less radio and more writing. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. It turned out to be the exact yeah. But who knows what next year will bring? Yeah, well, who knows what next month will bring? Yes. Yeah, yeah so let's not dwell on next month. I'm just yeah, looking to the year ahead. But, but anyway, so I was going to say what's next. You, you've already mentioned your 20,000 words through, through the next book. Um, yeah. uh, and we'll just have to, to wait and see. But uh, yeah, I think, I think you probably will. It will it's, still, it's, a, it's another thriller. It's another contemporary. Thing that I probably shouldn't, I probably no, shouldn't okay, say. No, no. I mean, I if... If it's anything like Knife Edge, it, it's not, uh, and this sounds like I'm sort of sucking up to you, and, I, and I'm not, but from the first page, I knew I was sort of in safe hands. Um, I, even that first sentence just sort of gripped me. And um, it, yeah, it was, it, was just, it was just a book that I didn't want to let go of until I'd, until I'd finished it. This is my favourite interview of all time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, well, you know, you you are. I was talking to Richard Osman today, yeah. at Thursday Murder Club, and he was he was saying how he, you know, TV formats is what he that's what he does really. If you've got a great opening game, but the second game is dull, people yeah. and, that, and 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 they'll miss. And I think when when you write, it has to be in exactly the same. You you know, you have to fight on every page to keep people's attention. So. If it's a page turn, if people have read it in a couple of days, you know, then that, then that's fantastic. And if you disappear into the world of, uh, of Famian and this sort of slaughter that happens on the first page, you're trying to work out what happens. Um, and if it feels contemporary and dangerous mm. and, and everything, then, then that's a job done. So. And it certainly is. Well, Simon, thank you so much. Can't wait for the next book. And uh, thank you very much for your time today.
Thank you. It's been my favourite interview ever. <laughs> well, that was very interesting. My goodness, that was just great to hear more um, from Simon Mayo about his book, Knife Edge. But, ladies and gentlemen, we have five other books to talk to you about, five other wonderful books. So let's get started. Now, the next book is The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. Um, now, I know you're going to say, why has she read this now? Hasn't she read this before? Everyone raves about this book. And it's true. I've had the book on my bookshelves and the audio book sitting there on the app ready to listen to for, it must be years now. Um, because I haven't heard a bad review of this book. Um, and we're actually uh, just doing it as our book group um, book choice. So it's quite an interesting one for that. It's quite a long book. It's not one you can just whiz through, over 700 pages. But I wouldn't want to because, oh my goodness, this is this delivered and more. Um, I, I knew because so many people had raved about it that I would enjoy it. Um, not that it had had too much hype, but just the reviews had been so good. Um, so I, I knew I would enjoy it, but I didn't know I'd enjoy it this much. And it gives you such an understanding of some really, you know, really wrong circumstances, how some people are treated um, about different events over the last few decades. Um, and it's a story about self and identity, family, relationships, all sorts. Um, I did also listen to it at some point on the audiobook and the narrator on the audiobook is absolutely brilliant. In fact, I would find myself putting the book down and putting the audiobook on again, which so rarely happened because I just really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, it's sad, funny. It's easy to read in that, you know, you don't need a degree in high literature to, to read it. And yet it has so much depth to it. So it's it's just a, a wonderful book. It, it starts in a in, with an awful scene of a mother being thrown out of a church, a 16 year old mother uh, thrown out of church, thrown away from her family and has to sort of make her own life. And in a way, that sounds a bit like a Barbara Taylor Bradford, but it's not no disrespect to that. But it's not that. Um, and and it is much more about identity and, and this child, Cyril. In fact, I haven't even read you the blurb, have I? OK, let's read you the blurb. Cast out from her West Cork village, 16 years old and pregnant, Catherine Goggin makes her way to Dublin to start afresh. She has no choice but to believe that the nun to whom she entrusts her child will find him a better life. The baby is named Cyril by his adoptive parents, Charles and Maud Avery, a well-to-do but deeply eccentric couple who treat him more like a curiosity than a son. You're not a real Avery, they tell him, and perhaps he isn't. But through them, he meets Julian Woodbead, who, even from childhood, seemed destined for an infinitely more glamorous and dangerous life. And so begins one man's funny and moving search to find his place in a world that seems to delight in gently tormenting him at every turn. <laughs> yes, it certainly does. Sorry, that's not part of the blurb. That's just me adding my little bit. Um, anyway, back to the blurb. Buffeted by circumstance and at times the consequences of his own questionable judgment, Cyril must navigate his emotions and desires in a search for that most elemental human need, happiness. Extraordinary, wonderful book. Buy it, read it immediately. That's, that's my suggestion. Uh, now, the next one is The Wives by Taryn Fisher. Um, and uh, I'll read you the blurb on this first and, and then we'll talk. 
He comes over on Thursday of every week. That's my day. I'm Thursday. It's a hopeful day, not the beginning or the end, an appetizer to the weekend. Sometimes I wonder about the other days and if they wonder about me. That's how women are, right? Always wondering about each other, curiosity and spite curdling together in little emotional puddles. Little good that does. If you wander too hard, you'll get everything wrong. Um, I don't know why I picked this book up. I've been meaning to read it for ages and uh, apologies for, for not reading it earlier. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a bit steamy at the beginning, I thought. Um, yeah, I wasn't exactly sure if it was something I was going to continue. But uh, fortunately, that that sort of uh, stopped after a while. <laughs> and um, and you just were presented with this very intriguing story of a of a problem. And you didn't know what angle you were looking at it. You couldn't get your head around how this guy has these why all these whys and how it works. Um, again, you don't know who to trust. Um, and I don't want to say any more because that might give the game away. It's just over 300 pages. It's one that you can just romp through, not in a bad way, but it's just it's just got this energy, this fizz to it that keeps you going. Uh, an ending that will screw with your mind. But uh, yeah, it's good. The wise Taryn Fisher. I enjoyed that one. Now, the next one. Um, it's called Easy Peasy Doggy Squeezy by Steve Mann. Uh, Steve wrote a similar book for um, managing, <laughs> managing your puppy. And this one is managing your dog once, uh, once they're no longer uh, a puppy. Now, as you may know, I do have some slight behaviour issues with my dog. I now have two frozen shoulders, thanks to my dog. So that's all wonderful. So it's fair to say I was in need of this book. Um, and this is the blurb on the back. When it comes to dog training, there is no one size fits all solution. In Easy Peasy, Doggy Squeezy, Steve's seven active ingredients will teach you how to solve any problem behaviours by giving you the tools you need to ask the right questions. You'll discover step by step guides on how to teach the most useful and practical techniques and improve your life with your dog by following simple exercises, as well as more advanced training techniques and ideas. Um, I love this because it's very simple to read. It's broken down in simple chapters. If you've got a problem with your dog, you can just delve straight in and get the answers you need. You don't have to read it from cover to cover to then walk away with some options. And I think it's one that you would definitely hold on to. So whenever your dog starts misbehaving in a particular way, or maybe we as owners are misbehaving in a particular way, you've got this as a, as a really good reference. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and uh, certainly this guy seems to know what, what he's talking about much more than I do. So there we go. And the other thing I would say is that what I liked about it is Clearly, yes, this man knows how to handle dogs, but he has a love for dogs as well. So it's not this sort of nasty, very um, sort of dictated way of dealing with them. It's about almost working with the dog um, to, to improve their behaviour. So, yes, very, very good indeed. That was great. Now, the next one is Friend Requests by Laura Marshall. Um, again, this one's been sitting on my shelves for ages. And would you believe it? I don't know how this happens. I had... The paperback and I had the audiobook. So it's been another one where I've been dipping in and out of both the audiobook and the paperback to, to read it. Um, right, here we go. Maria Weston wants to be friends with me. Maybe that had been the problem all along. Maria Weston had wanted to be friends with me, but I let her down. She's been hovering at the edge of my consciousness for all my adult life, although I've been good at keeping her out, just a blurred shadow in the corner of my eye. 
almost but not quite out of sight. Maria Weston wants to be friends, but Maria Weston has been dead for more than 25 years. Um, I think the conclusion of this book is don't accept a friend request from someone you think is dead. It's not going to end well. And I think as we start the book, we would probably have that idea in our mind. Having said that, it's great. Really enjoyed it. Really good sort of twists and turns. Uh, you're just wondering what's going on. Then somebody else is presented or another clue. It goes forward and back in time. Um, it's a, an easy read. Again, I don't mean that disrespectfully. It, if anything, it's a good reflection on, on how it's been uh, it's been written. 370 pages. Yeah, read it. Do it. Very good. Um, now, final book. I feel I'm just romping through the reviews today. I am, but never mind. That's because, yeah, actually, I do know why. And I'll I'll tell you. I don't know if you've made this discovery, but OK, so Cadbury Dairy Milk. Yes, this is we're talking chocolate. Cadbury Dairy Milk do giant buttons. Yes, we know that. But now they do chocolate orange giant buttons. And I may have just just for the purposes of a civilised society, because, you know, if the quality wasn't right and that was going out into the marketplace and people were eating it and, and feeling very unhappy and aggrieved, then I think that's just too much for society to cope with right now. So I feel I was doing everyone a favour by just trying it. And uh, my conclusion is I oh my goodness they are amazing and there seem to be more buttons in that bag than a normal bag which i always thought they were reducing the number you only end up with about three buttons in a giant bag uh, poor giant with only three chocolate buttons anyway philippa you're waffling let's get back final book come on ends in sight so this one unless you have lived on another planet you will have heard all about it richard osman the thursday murder club um it's a great book. It's just it's had so much hype and it came out on a day when there were so many other hundreds of books published. I just felt bad for other authors whose books were just as good um, and didn't get the sort of publicity that they wanted, which, you know, that that's what I think is uh, is a shame. Um, but never mind. Uh, this is going to be made into a TV show. You know, it's obvious. Um, let me read you the blurb of this. Let me find the blurb first of all. I've got all my post-it notes on top of it. That's the problem. So, in a peaceful retirement village off the A21 in Kent, four unlikely friends meet up once a week to investigate unsolved killings. But when a local property developer shows up dead, the Thursday Murder Club find themselves in the middle of their first live case. Elizabeth, Joyce, Ibrahim and Ron might be pushing 80, but they still have a few tricks up their sleeves. Can our unorthodox but brilliant gang catch the killer before it's too late? Um, it's a it's a thoroughly enjoyable book. It's nearly 400 pages, about 380 pages long. It's a bit it's a bit like Sunday evening TV. Um, it's a bit sort of, you know, last of summer wine, Howard's way, all that sort of thing. I know I've talked before about how. As a child, we'd have tuna sandwiches on a Sunday night and watch TV. Yes, that's the sort of fascinating, interesting life I lead. But it's got that it's got that feel about it. It's a bit sort of antiques road show, but with a crime. It's a winner, though I hate to say it. It's a winner. So despite all the blurb and buzz about it, it's a winner. You've got you've got good characters. You've got this different angle. It's an easy read in that it's not the gritty. Um, sort of city murders that you might get with some authors um, and I think it's very well written it's very well placed you know as I say you can see it easily being 
a TV programme very easily. And no doubt there will be more books in the series. What I also liked about it is, yes, it's got the twists and turns and the surprises, but it's got this look, this reflection on age and what it means or what it doesn't mean. And I thought that added something to it as well, because frankly, 80 is nothing. My parents are in their 80s and that's nothing. Um, so it was good to see people with, um, you know, energy and grit and determination getting on. So, yeah, that was great. So that's the Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. If you haven't heard about it, where have you been? Um, so I think that's all the books I was going to talk to you about today. So we've had um, Knife Edge by Simon Mayo, uh, The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne, The Wives by Taryn Fisher, Easy Peasy Doggy Squeezy by Steve Mann, Friend Requests by Laura Marshall and The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. Quite a few different books and you know what I'm going to say next? I've got even more wonderful books to talk to you about again next week. So just look after yourselves and we'll speak again very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. 